is just to focus on what will bring families closer together. I want to I give an example, a visual of this. I didn't say that I was going to. Is Sharina here? Sharina, come. So, so one thing that, I mean, so many things are changing in our, in our, in our world, right? Culture is changing. Uh, economy is changing. Politics are changing. So many different things are changing. But one thing doesn't change. And that one thing is the word of God and is our relationship with Christ. Amen? And, and there's nothing that could be more different. I was going to use Joss as an example, but she's my wife, and she's not gonna, she wouldn't like me bringing her up here. So. But nobody, nothing could be more different than me and Sharina. Like, I'm good looking. She's, she's, I'm tall. She's short. <laughs> I'm smart. She, no, I'm, I'm just joking. So, right. so um, he's a pastor, but he's a normal sinner like everybody else. And God loves everyone. So he is proof that God accepts and loves everyone despite who they are. Thank you. Okay. Wait, wait. No, no, no. You're not done. Okay. So you go over there. And then I'm here. So w- one of the things is that lots of things change in life. Uh, our, our, the amount of money we make could change. The amount of kids that are in our house could change. The amount of kids that we have could change. Lots of things could change, right? But one thing doesn't change, and that's the Word of God. And as we spend time getting closer to the Word, take a step to the... We actually get closer together. So no matter what changes in the world, as we get closer to God, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we learn more about Him, we learn more about Him, and we get closer to the ones that we love. And so one of the things that we love to do, we just finished a soaping challenge, is that we spend time in the Word every morning, all of us, because... Things are going to change. My, my oldest kid is now in college. My second oldest is ready to graduate. And so they're going to leave. Sharina, she cries to me every week saying that her oldest is now leaving for college and she's not going to know what to do because she forces them. Oh, Riley is here. Where's Riley? Riley's here. And Riley, doesn't she force you to do everything she's supposed to do as a mother? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay, give Sharina a hand. Thank you. So, so we, we like to spend time uh, jumping into the Word, and as we get closer to God, we get closer to one another. Amen? Um, we're jumping into a new series called I Am, and in the book of John, it's a great place to start just to learn about who God is, but in the book of John, there's six times that Jesus says, I am, and he defines who he is, and if we want to get to know God better, what a What a better way than to jump into scripture and look at what he says he is. So he says, I'm the bread of life. I am the door. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, the life. There's six or seven different things that Jesus says that he is. So this week, we're going to jump into the first thing that Jesus says that he is. And he says that he is the bread of life. Everyone say bread of life. And it's interesting that he says that I am the bread of life because what he's saying is that he is something that everybody practically needs all the time. How many of you like to eat at Calais? Or the 90 cents, 99, cents, uh, 99 cents hot dog at Costco? It's not good for you, but it's cheap and it's easy to eat. Jesus comes in, he says, in a time where everybody was looking for food, that he was the bread of life. So I'm just going to read from John 6. John 6, verse 5, it says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, And seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to one of his disciples, where shall we get bread 
But he said that to test him, for he knew what he was going to do. Philip said, 2,000 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for such a large crowd. And then he said to his disciple, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he said to him, there's a lad that has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they to so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the area, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Everyone say 5,000. It's a lot of people, a lot of mouths to feed. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those that were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And then they were filled, and he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And so the first thing that Jesus wanted to demonstrate was that he was able to meet all of our physical needs, that he wasn't some God up there that was disconnected from us, but he wanted to show that he knows that we have needs and that he can meet those needs. How many of you have needs? We all, ha- we all have needs, and-, and Jesus is sufficient to meet those needs. And so, so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In verse 35, after he provided for their natural needs, he said this, and let's read this together. One, two, three. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He wasn't just talking about natural needs, but he was talking about supernatural needs as well. Let's read verse 40. Do we have verse 40? Let's read this at the count of three. One, two, three. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. He's not just sufficient to meet our physical needs, but he's also sufficient to meet our spiritual needs. And right now, I don't know if you guys sense this in our culture, in our nation, and just the status of the world, but everything seems very, very unpredictable. How many would agree with that? That things seem very unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen in the next three months, the next six months. Things are always changing. But one thing doesn't change, and that's Jesus. And he says that he is sufficient, not just for our natural, but for our supernatural as well. And uh, I want to welcome Mike up. We're going to have two people share one of how Jesus answers prayer. And this is what we see. Mike, why don't you come up? Can you guys give a hand for Mike? One of the things that we've seen from the beginning of the year, and we're looking at 2023 as a year of miracles. Could you say that with me? A year of miracles. And what we're seeing is that prayer turns problems into possibilities. Prayer turns problems into possibilities. And we've seen amazing, amazing Answers to prayer. Mike is a really good friend. Uh, he, I, I've known him for several years now. He's been coming to church for how many years? It's about four or five years. And the way that we met was we were talking about uh, trading options. That was the first time that I talked to you. And then we just gelled after that because that was like our passions. And then he jumped into a small group. Uh, but he's a, a father, a husband. He's uh, he's very good at, he, he, he was a project manager in a, a a contractor for high-end homes, uh, so he, he does that very well. He is also a high-level jiu-jitsu guy, so don't make him mad. Uh, he's a waterman. He loves surfing big waves, and you might see him out in the jet skis and stuff, but I have a ton of respect for this guy, not just for what he does, but he's a great husband, great father, and most of all, he loves the Lord 
with all his heart. So um, he had this amazing story. We, we prayed for him in the beginning of the year for a miracle to happen in this new job that he has now, and uh, he's going to share about it. So could you give him a hand? I know you did already, but... All right, cool. Thank you. Um, so yeah, um, miracles. He asked me to talk about miracles and God's provision. And, uh, you know, you think about miracles when I'm growing up, I think about, you know, Jesus walking on water, you know, the uh, battle of Jericho, walking around the, the, the walls and the walls come tumbling down and all these amazing miracles and, in a, in a sense, almost terrifying, you know, the, the awesomeness of God. Um, but then thinking um, a little more personal, like the, the, the miracles that happen in our hearts, you know, the waters that part in our soul to give us freedom, you know, um, and you know, God has been so provisional in me and my family's life. We moved over here about six years ago, and uh, I was given a position uh, flying helicopters for a uh, tour company here, and uh, it was a really great experience, and I loved it, but I came from also uh, flying EMS, air medical, and that was kind of something that fit in my, in my world a little better, like the, ch the challenge a little better, and being able to give back to my community. Well, um, you know, I got to a point where I kind of got almost a little bit of a stink attitude um, working there because uh, there, was, there was a time when we were shorthanded and us pilots had to do, uh, you know, below us menial tasks. And I, I kind of had a bad attitude. I shared that with the guys. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel good about it. I shared it with my wife. Uh, and uh, we prayed about it. And God gave me a very simple message. He said, go serve them. And I didn't know exactly what it meant. Um, you know, like, okay, so go, go to work and do my thing. But uh, he said it again and again. He said, go serve them. And I will tell you that the biggest miracle that happened during that time in my life was a heart change. When my stink attitude went to serving uh, my employer, serving my uh, fellow workmates, and doing different things that aren't just pilot stuffs, you know. So um, basically, the, the waters of my heart parted. And I got to realize this provision. Well, during that time, um, I also got a call from Reach Air Medical. And um, they are uh, a helicopter provider here on the island. Where there's really only two bases. And they are sought, off, sought after worldwide. Um, the way that that program works is, uh, you know, you'll, you'll work your way up through the ranks within the company. And uh, this, I might lose you a little bit here in the weeds, but there's a BFR program, visual flight rules, flying helicopters. Uh, by visual sight, right? So you can see the ground, you can see the horizon. But then there's also single pilot IFR, where you fly through clouds. It's a, it's a higher level of uh, certification, requirements, and training. Um, so they'll start you in the VFR program and then work your way up. Now, this is a company that I had applied for uh, you know, six years ago on the mainland. And um, finally, I get a call for an interview. And you know, I'm flying with the tour company and kind of having the stink attitude, but God changed my heart there. And I was like, okay, God, I'll do this. And uh, it, was a, it was a really neat thing. Um, they called me for an interview, but then the interview never came. I waited a week, two weeks, three weeks. I tell the guys, I'm like, well, you know, that, you know it was kind of cool. I got called, but, you know, they probably just had to meet a quota. Someone outside the company had to get called and, you know, just so they could say they did their due diligence in getting the best person for the job. So long story short... I didn't check the time. Am I close? I don't know. I know. Okay, so long story short, um, ba basically, minute, oh, that's the countdown. Okay, got it. Got it. How do you always go late with a countdown like that? <laughs> 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 
right? Okay, no. Um, so anyway, uh, I didn't get the call, I didn't get the job, but then another job comes up, and so they said we have two bases, there's the Kona base, and, um, and that job comes up, I think, well, okay, that's a little bit lower level, maybe somehow God works a miracle, so we pray again. I go, Lord, give me a chance, give me a shot. And, uh, you know, they didn't call, they didn't call, so I finally called them, they say, yeah, well, we, we hired from within, you know, a senior, senior pilot got the position, and, you know, they had all the qualifications, and we're really sorry, we know you've been waiting for this job for six years. You know, and just recently I was thinking, you know, it's almost like the Battle of Jericho. Like, I'm doing these menial things, just marching around this wall, just being obedient. And, uh, you know, the, the, the people of Israel, they would sing the songs and uh, do the trumpets and thing, but nothing to make a wall fall down, right? Same thing here. Like, I'm not doing anything special, um, but I am marching. You know, I'm doing, I'm being obedient. I'm sweeping floors, cleaning the bathrooms, you know, working the ramp um, and doing all my pilot stuff. But um, on the, with the other company. So that, that falls through. And uh, so it kind of just gets to the point where I'm just, okay, that's, that's what God has for me. I'm stoked, you know. Got a great schedule. You know, we're, we're well provided for. Um, no worries. Then another call comes in, and they say, hey, we want to we wanna interview you. And uh, I go, okay, cool. And I'm thinking, oh, they're just saying it again. But then I get a call the next day, and they say, hey, we want to set up the interview for next week to set up the interview. So long story short on that, I got the job, right? Awesome. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Like, but I want you to understand that, you know, like with miracles, a lot of times we go to and explain them away. Like, oh, well, you're already a pilot. You, you got the certification. You got the... No, this job was not available to me. It wasn't anything that I did. On top of getting the job, they gave me all of the certifications, all the training. This is tens of thousands of dollars worth of training, $40,000 for the base of that part of the training just gave it to me. Said, hey, we want you to have this job. We see that you are a good fit for this. So they saw that because the walls came tumbling down. No, no work of my own, just obedience. And the, the lesson that I learned here was if, if you want to have a miraculous life, I, I look at it as like a, like a one side or the other. You, you can, on one side, you have this miraculous life. On the other side, you're kind of dead inside, right? Almost like hell. But if you want this miraculous life, it, it's, it just takes one thing. It takes allowing God into your heart and obedience. It's the simple part. Now, a miracle is when you, know, you see a seed grow. It's a, you, there's something out of nothing. So, that's it. Yeah, we've been seeing God do amazing things. Thank you, Michael. That was a... Awesome story. And if you knew how hard it is to get the job that he has, there's only one position in the whole nation, in the whole world, actually, and, and he landed in that spot. And um, he took me to go see the helicopter, uh, walked into the hangar, and I felt like I was in the, how many of you remember Airwolf, that story, Airwolf? Like, that's the kind of helicopter it is. It's nuts. Um, and he gets to fly it. Um, God not only looks at our natural needs and answers prayer. Again, prayer turns problems into possibilities. Prayer turns problems into possibilities. And in 2003, we're looking at a year that we're probably going to see a lot of problems, but every problem with God becomes a possibility. And, and uh, with, with Michael, uh, when we prayed and we saw God answer, it was amazing. Um, not only does he look at the natural things that we encounter, but he also cares for our eternal part of our, 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 what he created, which is our soul and our spirit. And uh, Kaleo 
He is an amazing guy. Um, could you give Khalil a hand? He's an educator up at uh, Kamehameha, and uh, if, if you go to sports, you'll see him there always volunteering. Uh, he loves the kids. He does it because he cares about the kids, and uh, he also runs a small group here. He, he helps with the men's ministry, and, uh, uh, but more than that, he is a father and a husband, and you know, for you to be an amazing husband to that woman back there... <laughs> I have the utmost respect. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Andrea is awesome. Um, but Kaleo, he's raised uh, three amazing children. We, I got to take uh, two of his boys up to a conference in Florida, and I couldn't be more impressed with the character that they had, and uh, it's all because of the, the way that they parented their kids. And so uh, could you give a hand for Kaleo? He's going to share how God met him spiritually. Yeah, so um, the miracle that I want to talk about goes back, I guess, over 19 years. Um, my boys are twins. Um, they're in, off in college right now. Um, but going back to when um, my wife was pregnant and holding and carrying these boys, they were, they were due in March of 2004. Um, and, um, you know, with twins, it's always an at-risk or high-risk kind of pregnancy. And this was soon after New Year's, I believe, um, where she started getting contractions. And we were, well, even before that, I guess, we were in and out of the hospital stopping contractions and all of that. But soon after um, New Year's, it was heavy duty and it, it was coming. And so we went into the hospital like we normally do, but this time they admitted her and then hooked her up to all kinds of um, stuff, right? Machines and IVs and, and all of that. <clears throat> um, so the neuro, neonatal neuro doctor person comes in and, you know, the guy didn't have the best of bedside manner, but the message was clear. He said, if, if the boys are born, if the twins, the babies are born now or soon, um, you know, they're, they're not going to really have an intellect higher than sixth grade or seventh grade. And as an educator, like, whoa, you just hit me to my core, right? Like, what do you mean my kids won't have the intellect higher than a 6th or 7th grader? So um, that night, Andrea was knocked out on, on drugs and the IV and sleeping. And, and uh, at that point in my life, you know, I wasn't walking with God. Um, I grew up in church off and on. I went to Kamehameha schools, Christian church, but never really had a relationship or knew what that meant to have a relationship with God and have faith. Um, but that night in the hotel room, um, Andrea was knocked out, um, the lights were off, and I was sleeping on this really hard bench thing, which actually was pretty comfortable. Um, <laughs> but um, I got on my knees, and I just prayed. Um, you know, I always thought I could solve all my problems. I always thought I could, if I worked hard enough, that I could persevere and I could get through, and this was like the first time where... Like, I couldn't do it by myself. And so I got on my knees. I prayed. I said, dear God, I, I don't know how this whole thing works. Um, I know you're a God of miracles. Like, this is one. Like, if you do this for me, I will follow you the rest of my life. And, um, and cried. I mean, I don't know how long the prayer went on with me crying and not crying and talking and confessing. I don't know what else would happen, but probably for about an hour. And... And, you know, God answers prayers, and um, we were able to stop the, the, um, the contractions, 
went home a couple of days later, I believe, and then about two or three weeks after that, we got into the window where um, the babies, the boys' uh, brains were fully developed and contractions came again, and we got in, and the doctor said, um, the doctor said, this is a safe point. We can deliver the babies now. And so, um, you know, it, it was a miracle, that whole story, and I'm just thankful that through it, you know, I was able to come back to God, and, and I think about eight or nine months later, I got baptized and was meeting with the pastor from our church back in Oregon, and I, and I just think about that moment because you don't know what God has in store for you, right? Like, it, it wasn't just a blessing of these boys being born healthy. Like, when you think of it now, it was, you know, getting in touch or getting connected with a church family back in Oregon, um, so many people that just um, helped us out in those early years with the boys when we were overwhelmed. And then through their youth ministry and the um, Sunday school teachers who built into them. And then we moved to Maui and then connected here at Grace Bible. And then Pastor Zach and Shalise and John and Joey Vieira just, you know, raising them up in through their teen years and then sending them off to college like, you know, I guess the message for our young parents here is, you know, get connected, make, make Jesus a priority, make church a priority, and, you know, let God work within you, work within the kids, and work within um, the church to help raise up, raise up these awesome children of God. That's awesome. God wants to meet you wherever you are, whatever is going on in your life. The first thing that Jesus said that he was when he said, I am, was I am the bread of life. He's not just bread to meet your natural needs, but he's also a spiritual bread to meet your spiritual needs. So I want to pray for all of us here. If you'd close your eyes, bow your, bow your head this morning. If you have a, if you have a need, and after, in, in your bulletin, there's also a, a flyer that says, I want prayer. If there's anything specific that you want prayer for, we have seen God answer crazy miracles, crazy answers to prayer since the beginning of 2003, and we believe that God wants to meet your needs as well. So um, look at that when you, when you leave here, but I want to pray for you this morning. Um, if there is a physical need, and it can be emotional, it can be relational, it can be physical, uh, I want to pray for you this morning and, and pray in the name of Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. If that's you, just raise your hand and I, I want to pray for you this morning. Go ahead and raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I'll pray for you. Go ahead. God, we just pray for every single person whose hand is raised, Lord. It takes humility to raise hand, a hand and say, God, we need you. And Lord, we're so stoked that you are a God that wants to meet our natural needs. So for every person that his hand is raised. God, you said that if two or more agree on anything in your name, that it will be given. And so, Lord, we, we pray every single specific need, and I don't know them, but you do. God, you know what's going on in every single person's heart. And Lord, the same way that you multiplied bread for the people that came, God, we pray that you'd multiply resources, that you'd bring healing to physical bodies. Lord, that you'd bring healing to relationships that have been strained. God, we pray for your hand on each person. And we thank you, Lord, that you are a healer. You are the bread of life in Jesus' name. Then I also want to pray for those that, that 
want a relationship with God, that want to start having a relationship with God. And um, if that's you, just say this prayer with me. If everybody could just repeat this prayer after me. It's an invitation to receive Christ in your heart and to begin a relationship with him. Just say, dear Jesus, I know that you love me. And you love me enough that you came. And you died on a cross for my sins and the things that I did wrong. You died so I wouldn't have to carry those things, even though I do deserve it. And I confess my sins to you this morning. I receive you into my heart and life. Help me to hear your voice. Give me humility to follow you, to surrender to you as Lord. I give you my life, and I trust you. Help me to walk closer to you, and help me to lead my family to walk closer to you. And as we walk closer together, keep us united. Bring unity in our families. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen, amen.